Man, come on, we're in this Let's Go series. We believe that we are called to live in a time where we don't shrink back, we don't hold back, we don't play it safe, we don't kind of wait and see how things turn out. No, we're living in a time where God has called us to go. Can I get an amen? The harvest is plentiful. We're not going to let it be said that the laborers are few in this area. We're going to be a people who roll up our sleeves and get after it. I believe church is not called to be a place that shelters in place, but instead we're a place that we go and we take ground and we advance what God has called us to do. And so that's what we're in this series as a church. We're looking at that. How many know God has already overcome? And if you're watching with us on Facebook, again, help us preach the sermon today and uh, just believe in that we're on the move and we're going. But as I just mentioned a second ago, uh, I, I believe you're not going to like this sermon. I almost posted on my Facebook. If you're going to skip any uh, sermons in this series, skip this week. Because it's one of those messages that you're just like, ah. Oh. Do you ever read the scripture? As I was putting this sermon together a few weeks ago and, and, and reading the scripture, you know, you're, you're kind of reading it and you're seeing what God is saying to you and you kind of have that moment of like, oh, oh he's right. <laughs> I hate this, but God, is, and he's always right. God is always right. But you're reading it and you're just like, I don't like this, but God is so right in this. And so today's subject, the way that we're going to let's go, the way that we're going to take ground, the way that we're going to move is we're going to get out of, we're going to find freedom. We're going to move away from our bitterness and our unforgiveness and our hurts. Uh, I know it's not one of those celebratory praise dance, shoot the confetti, like, oh, let's go. But this is one of the things that I believe is hindering people in such a great way. We are so stuck in our bitterness and our pain and our frustration and our hurt, and we're making excuses for it. We're like coddling and, and sort of petting and holding on to this, well, I have a hurt. Well, they did me wrong, and I have this thing. And we're justifying why we're keeping it, and it is keeping you from all that God has for you. Can I get an amen? Many of us, I've said this last week, many of us aren't going to fall into some huge substance abuse problem or fall into some big crime, and it's going to be the thing that causes us to miss what God has for us. I believe a lot of times the way the enemy is working is just to get us to veer off the path just a little bit, and we miss the mark. You know, if you've got in your car and, you know, maybe the alignment is out of alignment and it just keeps, it just keeps pulling to a thing. Well, over a long course of time, you would really miss where you're heading to go if you leave that. And that's what bitterness and unforgiveness is. We just, we just stay off and you miss it by a mile. I believe the scripture says this, that in the last days, there's going to be seducing spirits. There's going to be these evil spirits that are deceiving and there's these trickeries that the enemy tries to pull. And I believe one of them that's trying to make itself so powerful and present in this era, in this hour that we live in, is this, it's this idea or this justification of being people who are so quickly offended. I'm offended. I'm offended. That offends me. I'm triggered. I'm hurt. You offended me. And we justify and we defend how, how quickly we're hurt. Are you with me today? And listen, I'm going to be the first person, my hand raised, I'm going to, I'm going to just tell you, listen, I, I'm not, I understand that, that getting triggered by things does happen. I understand we all have hurts and pains and maybe in our upbringings or situations that's happened to us. I'm not saying that those things aren't true. But what I'm saying is if we give them more power than we give God, we're doing a huge disservice to our destiny. And so we've lived in this culture, I believe in these last days where it's like, oh, no, 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 you, you ought to live your life in a way where, where you're looking, we're almost looking to be offended. We're almost looking to be triggered. We're almost looking to find the thing that's going to hurt us instead of believing that God has great things for us and it may be bumpy along the way, but God is with us. Are you with me? So people don't love this sermon. You know, we, we, we like the confetti shooting. God's got a, and he's going to bless you and he's going to advance. We like those big let's goes. But these let's goes are let's go. Let's, let's move on from some of the things that are hindering us. And I want to say this off the bat. This is not a get over it sermon. 
This is not the pastor coming in and saying, oh, you just get over it. I, I believe that there is proper healing that needs to take place, especially some of us have big traumatic things that happen to us. And there are some things that take great work and great healing. And, and I'm the first person to say that I believe in those processes. I, I have three counselors in my life. I have three people that, I go, that, that I've had help with. I actually have four. One is my mother-in-law. She's a certified Christian counselor. I just don't ask for her help. She just puts it on me. That's what she does. So I kind of actually have four. I just only choose three. But uh, just kidding. I love and appreciate her help. But I'm the first person to stand up here and say, I think you're doing a huge disservice when you say, when we have this just get over it sermon. That's not how God works. I believe that God does want to heal and he wants to reveal and he wants you to understand his truth and renew your mind. So please don't take this sermon as a get over it. But at the same time, I am kind of saying, we got to go. Let's go. We got work to do. You got one shot at this. You've been given one life and we got to go. We don't, we don't have time to sit around and pet all our hurts and offenses. Are you with me? because God needs us on the move. And so I do want to give you this resource because I can't give you everything you need to know today about getting out of unforgiveness and, and hurts and offenses. But there is a great book out by a pastor I super respect. His name's Pastor Jensen Franklin. He's out of the Atlanta area. He's got this book called Love, because love is important. It doesn't say tolerate. It doesn't say, it says love like you've never been hurt. I believe that's how God wants you to live. Uh, I started dialing into this sermon this week, um, just listened to his audio book. But, but the, the mindset that we got to get to is we need to interact and, and move and live in such a way that you are loving people like you've never been hurt in your life before. You know, Genesis, and we hate to hear this example, and I'm just going to tell you over the next 20 minutes that I have left, this sermon is only going to get worse for you, okay? <laughs> but in Genesis, you know, I hear a lot of people, I love that the book says love like you've never been hurt before because we bring into relationships, you know, these, these walls that we put up. Oh, I'm going to step into this relationship and I'm going to live in a way that I've been hurt before. I'm going to protect myself. I'm going to put up this armor because I don't want to get hurt again. And we need to love like we've never been hurt before. And the reason I can confidently say that is because we see in Genesis, God created the world. He created the earth. He's looking over everything, trees, water, sky. He sees everything. He says, that's good. That's good. That's good. And then the first time in scripture, we see something that's not good is when Adam is alone, when he's doing life by himself. And the reason I bring that up in this context is because God wants you to understand that to live and to move and to be in your purpose and fulfill your destiny, it takes us interacting with other people. We have to do life with one another. Community is a part of your purpose and your destiny. So when you've gotten hurt before and you say, you know what, that's it. I'm putting up a wall. I'm not going to let people in anymore. I'm not going to let anybody get know me. I'm not going to be vulnerable. I'm not going to let anyone. You're doing a huge disservice to the way that God's called you to live. God looks down on and says, ooh, that's not good. To try to do it on your own is not good. Can I get an amen today? Amen. And so we can't be these people who put up the wall. Galatians 5.1 says this, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. God's design and the purpose of it all is so that you can live as people who are free. Free from bitterness, free from pain, free from the maybe anxieties of all the relationship uh, things that we get put in. God's design and the purpose is that you be a person who lives free. Then it says this, stand firm then. Because God's called you to be a person who lives free, it means that you have to be a person who learns how to stand firm in being free. And then it says, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. It's saying Christ set you free stand firm. Do not let yourself go back into anything that's going to hold you bound. 
So when you have a bitterness and an unforgiveness and this hurt that you're just coddling, you're putting yourself back into slavery. Oh, you're just thinking about that person. You're just thinking about that incident. You're just thinking about that situation. And what you're doing is you're binding yourself to a thing of not freedom. You're missing your moment. I, I told you, I promised you, you wouldn't like this sermon, okay? And I'm going to finish it anyway. But, I, but I'm telling you, God's design is for you to be free, not stuck in those things that are hindering you. I told you before, you know, we talk about all the big things, all these big sins, all these big things that might cause you to miss your purpose. But I believe that us being stuck in these, these pains, these issues, these undealt with things can do just as much damage. I thought about it like this. A lot of times I think of my kids uh, as like how God would interact with us because the scripture calls God our heavenly father. And I believe like we can see a lot in our own lives about how God would interact with us. And so how many of you have ever had your kids get hurt, right? They get hurt or they got a sliver or they got a cut or they, you know, they, they got this thing that they bump their head or whatever. And they're just hysterical. They just, oh my gosh, I'm so hurt. Oh, I'm so hurt. I'm so, and as the parent, I'm trying to help them in their hurt. And so, no, no, it's, oh, I got this thing. Oh my gosh, this thing. And they're making this big deal out of this hurt. And as the father, I'm trying to say, will you just let me see it? How many of you have ever had to say that? Yeah. Oh no, I got this. Well, hold on. Let me look at it. And I just wonder if heaven is doing the same thing. All of us, God is up in heaven. All of us down here are going, God, I'm so hurt. I got this thing. I got this thing. And your heavenly father is like, will you just let me look at it? Can I see it for a second? Because if I can see it, I can help you with it. If you'll surrender it to me, I can help put it back together. Can I get an amen today? And so many of us are going, oh, I'm so hurt. I'm so hurt. And you haven't even shown it to the heavenly father. We need to take some time and make a space to say, God, this is my hurt. This is my pain. This is my thing that I'm struggling with that I can't get over. That's cause, and will you help me with it? And like our loving heavenly father, just like I would for my kids, I'll say, okay, um, go see your mom. <laughs> you know, you know, it's like, you know, honestly, for me, I'd be like, just put, you know, the good old, put some dirt in it. You'll be fine. And, uh, and so again, God's better than I am, you know, so he'll fix it up. But my encouragement to you is this, and I, I never plug in service, um, our, our post-service prayer, but truly as we continue in this message, maybe today for you, you're going to go down to the prayer room after service, and it's going to be your moment of, you got to let God see it. And you go down to the prayer room, you go, hey, I got this thing. And our prayer partners are going to pray with you and encourage you and connect with you. And I believe that God's going to be able to be able to treat those hurts and those pains starting today. Can I get an amen? I'm so glad that, you know, one thing that gets on my nerves mostly is Christians. You know, it'd be awesome to be a pastor uh, if it wasn't for the Christians. You know, like this would be the best except for, you know, the people, of course. I'm kidding. I love you most of you. And uh, I'm just kidding there. All but one of you. Just kidding. But I hear it all the time. You know, it's really like, it's, it's like, it's really growing tired. And I actually understand it because I'm in the same place. Uh, I've been in the same places. But I get so frustrated with the way that Christians, you know, we meet somebody and say, oh, you know, we love God. But, you know, right now we're, we're, we're just kind of laying back. We're not really serving or helping people. We're not doing much right now because we've been hurt. And I'm like, oh, you've been hurt. It's like telling me you have blood in your body. Yeah, we've all been hurt. You know, get, get in line. Oh, you hate the sermon. I told you you would. And so I'm so glad that we don't use, that Jesus didn't use the same standards 
that we use. I'm so glad that Jesus didn't give up on fulfilling his call and his purpose and accomplish what he provided for us. I'm so glad he didn't quit as quickly as we quit. Let me give you some examples. We say, oh, I'm so glad Jesus' standard wasn't, you know, he bailed on his purpose because religious leaders hurt him. Well, you know, I'm out. I just, I've given up on making a difference and serving because a religious leader has hurt me. And Jesus is like, "Uh uh-huh. Because time and time again, the religious persecution that he faced and those that did him wrong and he stayed in it. Aren't you glad that his standard is better than ours? I meet all the time. I'm never going to serve again. I'm never going to trust God again. I'm never going to move out on my purpose again because I was hurt by a religious leader. And Jesus is like, yeah, I know what that's like. What about this? Oh, the devil. You know, I just, I I don't want to serve. I don't want to connect. I don't want to move out. I don't want what God's calling me to do because, you know, the enemy is just, he's after me. He puts too much pressure on me. You know, when I'm, when I'm following God, when I'm trusting God, the enemy's just after me too much. It costs me too much. I'm so glad that Jesus didn't give up when he went into his wilderness moments and the enemy was tempted. Are you with me? The scripture says when he pressed on and he pursued after his days in the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil, miracles began. Angels ministered, miracles began. Why? Because there's power in overcoming our enemy. And so all of the pressure of the enemy, all the gates of hell that tried to prevail, and Jesus overcame death, hell, and the grave. I'm glad that his standard isn't ours. And we say, oh, I don't know. It's just too much to follow God, so I'm going to shrink back. What about this one? Oh, friends weren't there for him. I'm glad Jesus didn't give up when his buddies gave up on him. Hey, he's saying, would you pray? You know, the night before he's going to the cross, would you, would you stay? Would you pray? Would you believe with me? Would you intercede for, for me? Would you, would you help me? And he goes back and they fell asleep. And Jesus didn't go, oh, I'm offended. They weren't there for me. They didn't stand with me in my biggest moment. No, he said, all that matters is me and God anyway. He stood true. Are you with me? So we just worshiped. Even when I'm in the fire, you know, if I'm crucified, I'm crucified with you. Anybody with me today? I know Facebook's giving me a bunch of amens and helping me. So I love Facebook. A bunch of fuddy duddies in here today. They don't like this sermon. I don't like it either. Uh, But that's the truth. We, We always go, well, they weren't there for me and they didn't stand with me and they stabbed me in the back. I'm so glad that our standard is not the same. Jesus wasn't the same or this one. Think about this. His community wasn't there for him. They didn't see, they didn't see it in him. I mean, no, the scripture says he, he didn't do many mighty miracles in his hometown. And I'm so glad he didn't go, I'm offended. I'm so hurt. Therefore, I'm going to shrink back because his community wasn't there for him. Now he pressed on and he endured and he trusted God even when those weren't backing him. Can I get an amen today? So I'm going to make it worse and worse for you because point number one is this. I want you to leave here with this today, knowing that offenses will come. (laughs) Offenses will come. It's just part of it. If you're going to walk with God, if you're going to go forward, you are going to encounter and face moments of being offended, having your feelings hurt, having people stab you in the back. If you don't believe me, let me prove it in scripture. Luke chapter 17, verse one says, then he said to his disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come. It's impossible that if you're walking with the Lord, that you're, that you're going to have this perfect, happy, everything's going to be rose. No, no, you're going to be facing moments of hurt and pain and frustration and people selling you out. So the scripture saying it to you like this, don't think it's strange when people criticize you. Don't think it's strange when people backstab you or don't celebrate you or fail to believe in you. It's impossible that offenses don't come to you. You know, when I was young in ministry, 
I used to think when people would lie about us or talk about us or backstab us or criticize it, I used to think I was doing something wrong. Oh my gosh, I must be doing something wrong. I got these people doing this. And, and so I'm trying. And the more that I walk with God, the more that I realize the more they talk about you, the more they criticize you, the more they hate on you, it's probably the more you're doing right. It's impossible that offenses don't come. But if you're actually stirring up and doing some things in the kingdom, if you're messing with the enemy, there's going to be a little blowback to it. Can I get an amen? That's why Jesus, he gathers his disciples. To me, one of the most powerful at a young age. I think I saw Passion of the Christ movie. I think I saw it at like 18. I was really young in ministry. And, um, and so everybody goes to Passion of the Christ and the, the movie. If you haven't seen it, you definitely need to look it up. Uh, but everybody's talking about, oh, the scene where he, you know, he's uh, on the cross and, and the gore and just all the things that he endured in his body. And, and, and it's powerful. But I remember the scene where he gathers up his disciples and it's, it's, it's the scene, he gathers them all up, and it's what I'm about to read to you here. And I remember at a young age just, just feeling the weight of what he's about to share. And he, he shares it in the scene so powerfully, it's, ever, it's forever stuck with me. But John 15, 20, he says this, Remember what I told you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. And I know you didn't come here in the Let's Go series to hear me tell you about how you're going to be persecuted and how offenses are going to come. But if Jesus found it so important that the night before he was about to go to the cross to gather up everybody and say, you got to keep in mind it's not all going to be perfect. You're going to have the opportunity to be offended. You're going to have the opportunity to be triggered. You're going to have the opportunity to be hurt. But just remember, it's all worth it. Can I get an amen today? My dad was talking in between services. He heard the first sermon. We talk about all the things that lead up to the Christ, the persecute or the cross, the persecution, the pain, the frustration, the betrayal. But you have to remember what came after all of that was the resurrection power. Right. Offenses and all of these things, if we can stick with it, there's great power on the other side of it. You'll have the opportunity to be offended, but you don't have to walk in that. Judas, how many know he's betraying Jesus? And the scripture says he goes up to Judas, or Judas goes up to Jesus, and Jesus, of course, knows of the betrayal that's coming, and he gives him, Judas gives him this kiss, but he says to him, friend. He doesn't say, oh, you jerk, oh, you low life. He still doesn't allow that offense and that bitterness and that hate to come in. He still treats him with love. Psalm 119, 165 says this, great peace have those who love your law, and nothing causes them to stumble. One translation of it says this, and nothing will offend them or cause them to be offended. Meaning this, if you're somebody who loves God's word and you love God's ways and you love what God has called you to step into, it, the result of that is somebody who you won't fall into offenses and hurts and pains and triggers. Can I get an amen today? Because we so believe in what? The word of God, the truths of God, what God says about our lives versus what other people may be saying. In Matthew, Jesus, the scripture says that he, when he sends out his disciples, think about this. This is teaching us how to be a people who don't live with the wall up, but instead we live with an understanding that God is in control of all things. So he tells his people, his disciples in Matthew, when you go to a home, when you step into that home, you say, peace be to this home. You cast peace into this home, which means you're not a person who comes into relationships going, I don't know, I need to trust you. I got to survey you. I got to see before I give myself to you, before I can believe it. No, it's saying you come in and you say, peace be to this home. Meaning what? Meaning like, I want unity here. I'm in this with you. I know you don't like the sermon. I told you that you wouldn't. 
But think about even the way that they create or they greeted one another. Go read your scripture. How many times did they greet another like this? Hey, what's up? No, they greeted one another like this. Shalom. Peace be to you. Meaning what? I'm in this with you. I want unity with you. I'm not going to be a person who walks around waiting for the next person to hurt me and and watch out for an offense. No, I'm in this with you and I need you to know that up front. Are you with me today? Because forgiveness is not vertical. Forgiveness is horizontal. It's relationship. It's relational. Many times in Christianity, we think that forgiveness works like this. Oh God, I pray that you forgive. And then we just, we just believe that God's forgiving is between us and God. But forgiveness is relational. It's saying, I want nothing between us because God created us to be in this together. And so it's horizontal. Uh, that's why Matthew chapter 18 says this. If you have anything with a brother or sister, if you have anything, any kind of hurt, any kind of pain, any kind of situation, it says what? Go to the brother. It doesn't say prayer, it does, and, and, and that's part of it. But it says we have to live this thing out relationally. Let me make it worse for you. Point number two is this. If you are forgiven, it is your requirement to forgive. If you're forgiven, it's your requirement to forgive. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often... Shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him up to seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say up to seven times, but 77 times. Peter is trying to be like a wise guy. He's trying to be a high spiritual guy. So he's like, Jesus, about how many times? Seven times in a day? And Jesus is like, well, how about 77 times? Now, the average American is awake or conscious 16 hours a day. So if we're taking what Jesus said and we're dividing it up towards your conscious hours, that would mean about every 15 minutes, you need to do a heart check and make sure you don't have any unforgiveness against somebody who's sinned against you. What's Jesus trying to say here? It's like, it needs to be on your mind all the time. It needs to be a thought check and a heart check for you all day, all the time. God, is there anybody that I'm out of balance with? Is there any situation that that I'm allowing a hurt, a pain, a trigger to hold me back from all that you have for me? Every 15 minutes we're considering and we're considering. Now, I need to pause here and say, like, guys, I understand that there are big things, that it's not like every 15 minutes you need to go and forgive and love and have an Oprah session and hug it all out. I understand boundaries, okay? I do understand that there's times that that you forgive, but then you keep distance and you forgive and you walk away. I understand that there's seasons And scenarios where people in your life, they just do not bear fruit in your life. And you got to be able to look at those trees and be like, that is not a tree that's bearing fruit in my life. Therefore, I don't participate. So let me pause the sermon there and say that. But what the scripture is trying to get you to understand is that in your heart, you can't be stuck back in slavery of that moment, that season, that pain, that thing. It's saying you've got to get free from that. How often? Every 15 minutes. Every 15 minutes. Why? Because God wants us free from that. Uh, I thought about it like this. So many people, I was talking to my mother-in-law, of course, who's a a counselor. And uh, we were talking about this. And she was saying, every time you get into a moment of it's time for forgiveness, it's time to get free, it's time to forgive somebody. uh, So many people say, I can't forgive them right now. I can't forgive them right now because they don't deserve it. Now, remember, if you've been forgiven by God, it's your requirement to forgive. That's how God called us to forgive as Christ forgave us. So when we say things like, I can't forgive them right now. They don't deserve it. Jesus is like, hmm. (laughs) Forgiving when they don't deserve it? Hmm, how about that? 
Or when we say things like this, I can't forgive them because they haven't changed. And God's like, really? Because I forgave you when you were still in your sinful, wretched. Are you with me today? And so the reason, and it's a blessing, the reason we're able to forgive, the reason we're able, even when they haven't become uh, figured out and they don't deserve it, and they have, it's because God did it for us and we're walking in his example. Can I get an amen? God's so serious about this unforgiveness and this, this removing these hurts and these pains from our life that he literally ties it into our spirituality. Mark chapter 11, verse 25, it says that whenever you stand praying, communing with God, having relationship with God, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your father in heaven may forgive your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Why? Because this pain, this hurt, this bitterness, this unforgiveness, these triggers that we allow, if we allow them and we pet them and we hold them, it will hinder our relationship with God. So it's saying, even when you pray, even when you're having a relationship with God, if there's anything that's holding you back, you've got to go deal with it so that you can walk in the freedom that God has called you to. Some people have said it like this, holding on to unforgiveness is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. Oh, they're going to get it. And you're just over here just watching. Oh, they're going to get it. And you're checking their Facebook and you're checking their Instagram and you're waiting to see all the, oh, I hope they get fired. And I hope that they, you know, we, we, you know, we got all that stuff. Sometimes in our life, you know, we pray the prayers like that country song. Oh God, I just pray that their brakes go out going down a hill. You guys know that song? Good, good country music listeners. Good. And, uh, so those aren't, but, but that's, that's the kind of living that's that you've drank the poison. And you're waiting for something to happen over there. But really what you're doing is you're ruining your own life. You're so caught up and hung up on somebody else's thing that you're missing your moments. And are you with me? So we can't attach ourselves uh, to others. Point number three. It'll be my final point. Point number three is this. Jesus modeled forgiveness over revenge. Uh, and we like revenge. You know, we like our movies. We, we, we like the cowboy to come back in or the superhero to come back in and, and get the revenge. We like the revenge stories. But that's just not the way Jesus modeled living. He had so many opportunities to be the one who brought, you know, revenge and got him and did the thing and acted out of his own thing. But, but he didn't. Think about this. Uh, Jesus' journey, of course, was full of healing and miracles. And he led people and fed people. All the great stories. But he also gave us this example of being able to understand that people are messed up, that hurt people hurt people. Think about it like this. Matthew 26 talks about how Jesus, who was perfect, I want you to hear this point, because we always justify, I did nothing wrong, therefore I get to get revenge. You got to remember, Jesus was falsely accused, falsely brought in for arrest. He'd done nothing, never sinned. He was perfect. And the scripture says that he's standing before the courts and they're all having these conversations. And they're saying that right in that moment, he could have called upon 12 legions of angels and he could have done some damage. That would have been 72,000 angels he could have brought in to whip up some people. But instead he said, no, I understand that there's a bigger purpose here than me just doing my thing. So many of us go, well, I'm right and they're wrong. And so therefore I'm going to do this. But what's the greater purpose happening? Quiet in church today. Amen. I'm having a good time preaching it to myself. So Luke 23, 34, then Jesus hanging on the cross, a perfect man with no sin, literally shamed, abused, beaten, bloody, humiliated, all the things he had to face. He's up there saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. 
He could have been hurt. He could have been offended. He could have been tricked. But instead, he's, he's thinking about the purpose of all people. He's saying, God, forgive them. Forgive them. He's not letting that bitterness get on the inside of them. Romans chapter 12, verse 14 says, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Verse 19, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. I'll close with this. We always think we have to do it. Oh, no, I, I need to make it right, and I need to fix this, and I need to defend myself. If we can just trust God and let him be the one who the scripture says repays, let God be the one who makes those things the way that they ought to be. And we just keep trust, and we don't let that bitterness and that offense come in. But instead, we believe the lie of the enemy. You should be hurt. And you are hurt and you're offended and you have the right to be. And we keep holding on and holding on. Let's leave it up to God. It's the better way. Can I get an amen? Yeah. And here's what I want you to hear in my closing is this. Forgiveness is not a feeling. You're never going to wake up one day and be like, you know what? Today is the day. I'm going to just find that person that I just, you know, today feels like the day that I want to give, forgive that person that I absolutely cannot stand. <laughs> It's just not going to come that way. It's not a feeling. It's, it's a mindset. It's a truth where you go, I don't want to live stuck in this pain, in this unforgiveness, in this bitterness. Therefore, because Christ called me to be free, I'm going to take a step of forgiving. And I want you to hear it like this. Many people say, man, I thought I forgave them. I even had people after first service say, oh, I, I thought I forgave them. I thought I moved on for that. But then all of a sudden I saw him and I got angry again. Or I saw him and I got like bitter again. Or I saw him and I got sad again. I want you to think about it like this. When you take the step of forgiving somebody or extending forgiveness and moving on from your, it's like when you have a broken bone and the doctor sets the bone. But you bump that even after it's been set, it's still tender. Why? Because it's still healing. It's still finding its place again. So I'm just here to tell you, you, you know, let, let God set it. That step of forgiving somebody as God's setting it. And you may see them and bump it and it may still hurt, but just trust that God is healing it. Can I get an amen today? And on Facebook, God, God wants to heal that. You may bump in and it may still be, and you may still have some memories and some things, but just trust that God is healing it. I had a hard time with this part in first service too. But if you hear anything today, I want you to hear this part. God uses, we, we love that scripture. Whatever the enemy meant for evil, God's going to turn to good. And we think that's so praise dancey, like, oh, that's going to be something. But it's pain made whole stronger. It's the enemy using what, what, it's God using what the enemy meant for evil and bringing it into a triumphant, great testimony. I was meeting with a pastor friend of mine this week, uh, a worship leader from the area who I just think is so great. And, uh, you know, we're just talking about like our hurts and pains and our experiences. Pastor Torn as well. I was talking with him this week about the same thing as we were talking about this weekend. And we all have the same testimony. People say, oh, must be awesome to plant a church. Must be awesome to see your church growing. Must be awesome to see all this kind of stuff. But what people don't see is that these strengths that are our church come from our deepest 
our deepest cuts, like our biggest bruises, are our greatest strengths now. I'm talking about moments where in her sleep, Jess is crying in the middle of the night. Day after day, as we're, as we're walking through seasons in ministry of just great pain and great frustration and, and it falsely, all these annoying things that just kind of happen on her journey. She's crying in her sleep, and I'm thinking, God, what am I doing? Dragging our kids through hard seasons as we plant a church from scratch. Like, God, what are you doing? And people come in and go, oh, we love this about the church, and we love this about the church. But what those people don't realize is those strengths are because at some point in our pain, we said, God, we are never going to do people like that. We are never going to allow that to happen in our church. And so we've taken our greatest pain moments, and now we stand them as like, God, these are our greatest strength moments. And I'm just here to tell you, whatever those pains are, wherever you've bled the most, wherever you're the deepest bruise, God wants to use those as your greatest strengths. So don't, don't hold them and coddle them and <laughs> keep them back from the foot of the cross. Instead, give them to God and say, God, I'm not going to let the enemy have this victory. I'm not going to let the enemy have these seasons and steal these moments. Instead, I'm giving you these pains to redeem and to make strength and to help set other people free. Can I get an amen? amen. And I will say this, though we walk through our hardest moments and the craziest times, both Jess would say and other people that I know, we would never give those moments back. praying in those moments. God, why are you doing this to me? Why are you allowing this to happen? Why am I having to go through this? God, I don't deserve this. God, get me out of this. Why are you doing this? I would never give those. I would never give them back because they're the pillars that we stand on now that we can grab somebody else's hand and say, I know I've been there and God will help you the way that he's helped me. The scripture says we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the power of our testimony. Guess what, friends? Sometimes our testimonies are the worst, but that's how we overcome. Not by coddling and holding and making excuses for and say, I gotta be careful. I'm gonna be triggered. I gotta be careful. You're gonna offend me. No, we got to be vulnerable and open and connect so that God can use them. Some of the most beautiful stories are the most broken moments put back together to the most beautiful pictures. I remember at Art Prize, uh, when we used to be able to go out in public and hang out with each other, they had this cool thing in Grand Rapids. And one of the winners one year was this beautiful mosaic, I don't know what it was, painting. It was broken glass all put together in the image of Jesus. Many of you probably remember it. But you looked at all these broken pieces, all shattered in all these different parts and all of these seasons put back together into the most beautiful, spectacular image. And that's what Jesus does. That's what God does with all of our stories. He says, I know it's broke. I know it's all. And God doesn't do it to us, but he uses it. Are you with me? And so many of us are like, no, God, you can't have that. No, God, you can't have that. And he's like, no, but you don't understand what I want to do with it. And I'm just here to say this. Scar tissue is like a stronger skin. So you got a little bit of scar tissue, a little bit of cauliflower ear. That's okay. <laughs> some of you are like, what is that? Don't worry about it. 
But that's what we ought to look like. Just a little beat up, but we're stronger for it. Can I get an amen? I know I've run way over on time and you're burning your pot roast, but I'll pray for you and we'll get out of here. But friends, yeah, truly, truly, truly. I think one of the most spiritual, supernatural, God-trusting, powerful things you can do is not go on a hundred-day fast and not go to, you know, it's just to say, God, I'm hurt and and this is my hurt and I want to hide this hurt, but instead, here, heal me. Amen? Amen. How many appreciate John playing for seven hours up here every week? (laughs) I always say... I said, oh, no, it's just one point. You'll be up here for three minutes. And he's like playing an entire catalog. So anyway, I got to get us out of here. But let, let me pray for you. And uh, Facebook, if, if this was good for you, it helps us so much if you could hit share, maybe get this out to somebody who needs to hear it. Um, but God wants to turn what the enemy meant for evil and turn it for good. So get to the prayer room, get some counseling, whatever it takes. Let God do the whole work. Go buy that book. And um, I believe God's going to make us stronger through this. So let's pray. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for the way that you love us and you use us and you empower us, God, even in our pain. God, you can bring out such beautiful strengths as we surrender those to you. God, let us be a people who can extend forgiveness the way you did to us. Lord, I pray that um, we get these breakthroughs even now. In Jesus' name, amen.